Welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostall. This is the first time I'm posting a second full episode in a week that wasn't a bonus episode. I'm excited, and I hope you all are too, because if the response is good and y'all keep listening, I'm going to try to make this a permanent thing. Today, I sit down with Anderson Monroe, founder of the lifestyle brand Blue Dreams. If you recognize Anderson's name from the podcast, it's because a few weeks ago, he was on one of the bonus episodes recorded live at Weapons of Masqueration. I had a great time talking with Anderson there, and I was curious to learn more about him, so I invited him back for a full episode. We talk about everything from growing up a first-generation American, to being an accountant by day, to his exciting new work with Mitchell and Ness, Ren Arts, and Reebok, for the Dead End Kids, an 86 Mets capsule, all right after this. Are you ready to explore your creativity and meet a ton of new friends while you're doing it? Join us April 6th through 9th in Columbus, Georgia for Creative South, where you come as friends and leave as family. Head over to creativesouth.com and get your tickets now for the greatest conference this side of the Mississippi. Plus, keep listening to the podcast for more exclusive news on CS17 speakers, events, and workshops coming soon. I want to thank our newest patrons over on our Patreon page, my friends Johnny Gwynn and Stacey Wellborn from Deep Fred Studios, and Sean Lynn Pancheson. Thanks, y'all, for helping to keep the podcast alive. If you like the podcast and you want to help support us, head over to patreon.com slash South. Every dollar helps cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts, and you can even get your own podcast episode. So, please help support the podcast by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash South. Anderson, thank you for uh, joining me this evening. Thank you. It's good seeing you again. It's, it's been uh, it's been a month, right? Yeah, it's been about a month. So, uh, and then, well, by the time this goes up, it'll have been out for a while. But your little mini episode that we did up at WMC Fest just posted last week. So, yeah, it's crazy. It feels like it was just yesterday, you know? Yeah, time flies. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let's let's dive into it from the beginning. Where did you grow up? So I was born in Brooklyn, but I grew up in Long Island. Um, it was, uh, I don't know if most people know this, but I was born in like, uh, or raised in Suffolk County. Um, went to Catholic school my whole life. I don't know anything else. Um, pretty athletic kid, played sports. Wasn't drawing with sports. Um, I stuck to sports because a uh, big fan of Michael Jordan. Fan well, of Michael Jordan, sorry. <laughs> exactly. You know, all the kids wanted to be like Mike. I was definitely one of them. And, uh, you know, that was about it. Just grew up in Long Island playing basketball. Okay. Um, and when you weren't playing basketball, you said you were drawn? Yeah. Whenever I couldn't make it outside or if I was grounded, drawing was like the next best thing. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, I know that feeling. I got grounded a lot, so I got pretty good at drawing. Oh, oh yeah. But um, pretty much I got into drawings because of my cousins. Oh, really? So I had, yeah, so I had two cousins that lived in like Brooklyn and Queens. And mm-hmm. whenever I would see them, they always come back with like either a new pair of Jordans or like these cool like graffiti-like drawings. Mm-hmm. And um, whenever I saw them, I always ask, ask them like, you know, show me how you did it. 
show you how, like show me how he was able to do the lettering like that and stuff like that and um i don't know they kind of put me onto the culture of like streetwear graffiti comic books and stuff like that so that whole realm i learned from them and gotcha. it kind of piqued my interest into you know cartoons and stuff like that mm-hmm. what were your comics growing up <sighs> man like I didn't have a lot of comics. I pretty much borrowed whatever they had, and most of the stuff. That, and most of the stuff that they had was is uh, either Spider Man or Batman. But when I was growing up, Spider Man was like my number one. And now that I'm older, it's definitely Batman. I definitely appreciate the dark tones that the the comic book uh, portrays. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then you said you know getting into cartoons. What cartoons were your favorites? I liked. I I, I feel like. It's probably easy for me to talk about cartoons I didn't like. Most of the cartoons, <laughs> most of the cartoons I watched was just like the average stuff, like Dragon Ball Z or like stuff on Cartoon Network or uh-huh. um, the anime stuff. Like you know, I dipped and dabbed in a lot of the stuff. Um, when Adult Swim came out, it's probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like Sham, like Samurai Champloo was probably one of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much because it was like samurais and hip hop and <laughs> outside I'd, of Wu-Tang, I had forgotten about that one until you mentioned it just now. It's one of my favorites. Like, unless it was Wu-Tang Clan, you don't see that a lot. So yeah. I really, really gravitated th- towards that show. It's probably one of my favorites now that I think about it. Cool. I was um, in co- – not that it's the same thing. But in college, for some reason, I got really into um, Samurai Jack. Not so much for the story of it. Okay. But I just – I love that style. Uh-huh. Um, and he's – that guy's done so many different things for um, – um, cartoon network and you can always kind of tell what when he does something it has really? that yeah so he, did, what else what other cartoons did he do um let's see he did that he did uh character design for powerpuff girls that um, makes sense okay what's the other one now i'm blanking on the other one but there was one other that i used to watch that i could definitely tell from the line work and the, the style that it was that it was designed by him Mm-hmm. I like Samurai Jack. I thought it was cool. Powerpuff mm-hmm. Girls were cool. I don't know. Cartoon Network is just a solid, solid cartoon platform, especially oh, yeah. what they're doing now. Oh yeah. So, so they, whenever I have they, a free chance, I'll definitely try to watch like a Rick and Morty or something like that. <laughs> I I have not had a chance to get into Rick and Morty, which is you. I, I want to. It's just tough when you got two seven year olds around and. Trying to explain to them, this is not a cartoon for kids. Oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. So, so you you make it through, you know, high school. Um, yep. Where do you end up going to college? So, I went to school t- at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. It's upstate New York. Sticking with that Catholic theme? <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, it, just the name is Catholic. It's the first time where, like, I went to school and I had to wear a uniform or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it really makes a difference. Like, I don't mind a uniform, but being able to, like, roll out of bed and go to class. That's know, what college is for. <laughs> exactly. There's no argument out of me with that one. But um, <laughs> my parents really, really wanted me to go to, to college. Definitely away. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy I listened to them because I feel like that's when I became an adult going away. Just mm-hmm. from the people I met and stuff like that. Um, when I went to school, I walked on for basketball. I did that for a year. I didn't work out. But then I went and I did track. And... Um, just from the people I met from there, it's probably what sparked that idea for me to do my company, Blue Dreams. And that was because, like, you know, I've never did track before. Sure. And with, with me walking on, 
and um, practicing and learning a new sport. I feel like it gave me that confidence of saying, you know what, I should do more new things that's outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So my senior year at school was when I got hit with the idea to do like a clothing brand. Um, senior year, I didn't have the idea for Blue Dreams. I just had like, you know, an idea just to do like just a random t-shirt design because, you know, I was always drawing and stuff like that. And um, that's when I randomly drew out my I Heart College design. Like I was telling you before, mm-hmm. took, out the, took out the two L's, put a uh, two bear pound cups and a bear pound bowl. And it's like, you know, <laughs> what college kid doesn't want that, you know? Exactly. So so um, I wore that shirt to class one day and uh, people asked me about like, oh, where'd you get that from? And I told them I made it. So um, after people were asking about it, like, hey, I can make them in my room. Um, one major part <laughs> I've forgotten the story was uh, I took some of my scholarship money from track and I bought a heating press. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I had the idea, people was like, oh, this is dope. I went and I bought a heating press came in like a week later and literally was like treating my room like like a sweatshop and like making shirts. Like, <laughs> like I took all my books off my desk, put the heating press, and that, that's what I was doing for like my whole senior year. What, um, what did your roommate think of this? <laughs> he was fine with it because he, he was a graphic designer and he made the design for me because oh, I, okay. I, could, I couldn't do it yet. So I showed it to him. He's just like, I was like, hey, can you bring this to life? He's like, yeah, I could do it. Literally, after we made a design, we had like Applebee's every week. That's how much money we were making <laughs> with that one design. Like, I know that sounds like eating Applebee's, but when you're in college, yeah, that's no, that's eating. good eating. <laughs> exactly, that's eating pretty well. So, um, after doing that design and you know, um, it doing well at my school, that's when I had the idea to, you know, really try to come up with my own clothing brand, come up with my own theme, and um, really try to make a business out of it. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're going through school. What were you majoring in at the time? Um, Cause you told me this story. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. So I chose to go with business because I felt like it was probably the best, um, my best option to play it safe. I felt like um, if I learned how to, how to um, run a business, I could do anything in the field. Like I learned accounting. I learned, um, What's the word I'm looking for? You know, I learned how to run a business and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like it would make my life easier in the long run. So, you know, I went to school for business, didn't go to school for art or anything like that. Um, yeah, and that's about it. So you were telling me at WMC Fest, you know, mm-hmm. your dad kind of pushed you in that direction of going in for business, too. Yes. So. so, uh, so no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much what happened was when I, whenever I talked to my dad about sports and about like, you know, drawing and stuff like that, sports, he was always fickle on because he always tell me in basketball, it's very, very hard to make it to the NBA level. Like only a small percentage get in. And, you know, as a young kid that yeah, like one no percent of the top one percent. <laughs> exactly. So in the back, you know, as a kid in the back year, you have that why you play. So you're kind of just like, you know, if I don't make it, whatever, because only the 1% get in. And when it came to drawing, you know, he always told me that, you know, artists don't make money. Mm-hmm. And so just that thought of like, if I choose this profession, I'm going to be homeless. Always, <laughs> always just made me nervous to really pursue that, you know? So he laid on the Catholic guilt there with it. and uh... Uh, A little bit. Like, you know, I get it because my dad's not from America. He was born in Trinidad. So. Sure. 
when he came over, it's more for him to, you know, make a, to have a family, provide for them and make sure they go to college and get the best education possible, you know? So as long as I went to school and, you know, I chose some type of profession to make money, he was happy. So that's mm-hmm. why he said, choose business. So, you know, I respect it, but, you know, just after finishing school and really just figuring things out, I feel like graph- people who do graphic design do it well, mm-hmm. they do just fine. Yeah. Doesn't hurt, though, to have a business background. Oh, yeah, definitely. Your own company. Definitely. <laughs> so you go through college. Um, you're, you're getting in the senior year where you're kind of starting your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, thankfully, you've got a roommate who's a graphic design major who can help you out with the actual design. Yeah, it was a game changer. Um, and you're doing all the sales and marketing, all that stuff. What do you end up doing when you graduate college? So for a few years, I kind of floated. Um, my dad, who was a police officer, he opened up after he retired. Mm-hmm. He opened up a tax firm. So he wanted me to do that with him. Um, for people who don't know taxes, the tax season is four months long. Mm-hmm. So after that, you're pretty much, you can do whatever you want and go on vacation. You kind of keep the office open or close it or have mm-hmm. another job. So after I did my first year with my dad, um, I was really pushing the brand, trying to build it, trying to learn how to become a graphic designer and uh, how to run a clothing business. Now, so, did you ha- did you have the name Blue Dreams at this point or was it under something else? Um, No, I had to... J- I definitely had the name when I first started okay. because I was, tr- I was kind of going by like the process of, you know, choose a name that you choose a logo, have a theme, <laughs> you know? So, uh, after I had the name, I was just doing, you know, my research and just trying to perfect my craft as a graphic designer because, mm-hmm. you know, drawing is one thing, but being able to bring it to life and being able to design something that could be printed, that won't be an issue that's, you know, limited on colors and stuff like that. It's a whole nother ball game. Sure. So after two years, when I was more comfortable on going to shops and showing them my brand, one of the stores, um, like straight up told me, just like, hey, I like what you're doing. It looks cool. I'm not ready to accept brands. But if you are interested in a job, you know, I'll hire you and give you a shot. Mm-hmm. So at the time, this is probably one of the bigger streetwear clothing stores in Long Island. Um, it was around for 15 years. The guy has, you know, accounts with with every major brand. And um, I just saw opportunities like, you know what would I have to lose? You know, it's not tax season. I might as well try it out and, mm-hmm. you know, think of it as a paid internship, you know? So when I got onto the job, he threw me like, you know, right into the fire. He showed me some designs <laughs> he wanted to do. You know, I did my best to bring him to life. And all the while, um, being a graphic designer, I'm watching him run his business. So when I'm watching one of his business, I'm slowly learning like, okay, this is how you do it. This is how you get into other stores. This is how you market to, um, you know, your target market. And this is how you, you know, you literally run a clothing business. Sure. So you you go through that summer. Mm-hmm. Do you just full time it after that? Or is it this, is this something that builds up over time where you're kind of having to meet Make ends meet and work on so, jobs and yeah yeah yeah. So what I did was I would work at that job um, full time, and then when taxis would come around, I would split it. So I'll do like uh, 
I'll wake up like five o'clock in the morning, go there, do like three or four hours. Then at lunchtime, drive up to do taxes. So I was doing double duty and then coming home to do Blue Dream stuff on top of that. Oh, wow. so, I was, so I was working like around the clock. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't change it because I feel like that showed me like, you know, how much hard work it takes to really build something. Mm-hmm. And the accounts that he pulled, I would never work with if it wasn't for me working in the store. Um, so I think it was 2013. It was 2013, 2012 when I was in the store. And this is when Kanye West opened it up, a uh, creative agency, just when he just did it. Mm-hmm. And um, he was doing a project with Mitchell and Ness. And Mitchell and Ness is like a um, sports merchandising company. Mm-hmm. So they do like high end like jerseys and hats and stuff like that. So he was doing a snapback hat with Mitchell and Ness. Okay. And one of Kanye West's uh, fashion stylists saw what he was doing because he was doing project with Mitchell and Ness also. So he approached my store. He said, hey, we should do a collaboration. And, you know, it'll be good for you because people don't really know who you guys are. They know who Kanye West is. And I want to, you know, do the hat that that you manufactured. So after working with them, which I would never have an opportunity to work with, you know, his uh, creative agency, Donda, um, it really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It really opened my eyes to how profitable a clothing company can be if you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. So with Blue Dreams, yep. a first question, where did that name come from? Because okay. it, it's not like you spell it B-L-U-E. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, I would have. But for some reason, the name was taken. Ah. So uh, the reason why I chose Blue is because I knew I wanted to go with an underwater theme. And that's because mm-hmm. I live on Long Island. Um I, it just made sense for me to do something that at least, you know, um, took a nod to like my hometown. And then Dreams was literally just me going out, trying to make waves and leave my mark on the world with the clothing brand. Gotcha. Sorry, I have a cat nipping at no. my feet at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can hear her in the background. She's being kind of noisy. <laughs> so... um. I forgot where I was going after that. Um, so you, you've solidified the name. You're working for these people. The mm-hmm. account with Kanye's um, fashion stylist. Fa- thank you. I could not think of the proper term. <laughs> fashion stylist comes about. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, and you touched on it a little bit, but what what did you learn? You know about the business side of things from that as well as the creative side from that kind of thing a lot um building a following is everything you know putting your clothes on the right person especially in fashion is everything mm-hmm. there's a reason why nike spent so much money to win jordan over adidas you know mm-hmm. um they even say that if it wasn't for jordan the brand would wouldn't be what it is today and back then, and even now, Kanye West is probably one of the biggest social fashion influencers. So um, to get your product on people like that, especially when they have that big of a following, will give your, you know, it will put your brand or your ideas in front of the right people so you can make those sales. Sure. And, and uh, the other thing I learned is definitely presentation. Just making, like, just um, taking a creative angle to put out a certain product. 
Like even if it's a t-shirt and it's a hat, you don't need to just say, this is my hat, go and buy it. You know, you want (laughs) to tell a story, you know, you want to, um, tell the people the reason why you made this product and why you put it out and definitely throw in all the bells and whistles. And I definitely learned that through that, uh, that position I had. Gotcha. And what are your feelings on Kanye's clothing line? (laughs) (laughs) No comment. (laughs) Um, I like his music better than I like his clothing line. <laughs> that's 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 how I feel about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I I applaud him for what he's trying to do, but um, just not my cup of tea. That's all. Yeah, yeah. You can um, pay a lot less for an ill-fitting ripped um, sweater. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I get it because what he's doing is you either like it or you don't. He's a polar a polarizing person, so that makes sense. That's yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> so I get it, you know, he wants to do something different. But like I said, it's not for me. I feel like, you know, I'm twenty nine. If I showed up to my girlfriend's house in ripped up clothes, I would have a lot of explaining to do, you know. <laughs> or you better be going to work in the yard or something. Hey, exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I view it. I mean, <laughs> don't that's, get me wrong. That's true. That's true. I got some t-shirts that have uh, been with me since college, and they um, definitely should have been thrown out years ago. But I mean, I mean, the kids might love it. You never know. Yeah, this is true. I could be a uh, fashion icon someday. There, there you go. With my fraternity shirt that's literally threadbare and falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so what happens after, after you get through working with Kanye's fashion stylist? Um, Um, where, where do you go from there? So I do a few more projects with the brand, with my, uh, my boss's clothing, uh, Mm -hmm. store. And, uh, you know, I do two years. Um, some things that people don't know is it takes a while to put out a project uh-huh. so like i say the average amount is maybe a year or two years mm-hmm. so you know i did a bunch of projects and then i just decided that i, I, I was just ready to go mm-hmm. um i feel like i learned everything i could learn through the company and my dad's company was getting bigger so it just needed i just need to be there more than i was there and then after that is when i really really started pushing blue dreams as much as possible mm-hmm. i can't say full-time because i'm still you know, working, doing accounting. But that's when I was making the push to, you know, try to get into more stores and try to do more events and try to do collaborations with other stores and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So how are you how are you building this up and making these collaborations when you are working a full time job that's not in the, you know, industry you want to get into? <laughs> um honestly, any free time that I have. So especially right now it's not tax season. So, um, <laughs> so I'm running around, there's a couple of stores that I have accounts with. So, you know, I touch base with them, show them like, you know, my new seasons that come up and stuff like that. And what I've been doing is like, Hey, if you have my brand, um, let me know if you want to do like a limited edition collaboration for your store. Most, most stores want to do that. But the issue, the issue is they can't afford a graphic designer. So what I tell them is like, you know what? I'll work with you. I'll give you affordable price. Mm-hmm. If you do a collaboration with my brand Blue Dreams, and they're all for it because they get to have a shirt for themselves, they have a event for their customers, and you know they don't have anything to lose other than printing the shirts, of course. Sure. So um, it's actually a perfect segue. 
So one of the stores out here called Renards, this is probably mm-hmm. my second year I did a barbecue with them. It's becoming an annual thing. A lot of people come out, have a chef come out. He cooks free food for everybody. Just come out, hang out at the store, have a good time. And um, this year they approached me and they said, hey, we have a project coming up with Reebok. We're trying to do like a Mets uh, capsule collection based on the 1986 Mets. And um, I think you'd be perfect for us, what they told me. So, and, so um, I, I want to interrupt you real quick for sure. those of us that don't know. What is a capsule collection? Pretty much it's just like a, a collection based on a certain theme. Okay. And, and what they'll do is they'll try to bring in other brands to do uh, – what, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I, I guess to do uh, what they uh, – I'm sorry, I'm, I'm I'm losing the word. But for like, uh, let's say it's a hat company, they bring a hat company to do something for the Caps collection. Mm-hmm. So they bring me in, they want me to do a t-shirt for the collection. So everybody brings their professional, you know, what they're known for, mm-hmm. for that collection. Okay. Does that make any sense? So it's, is it, so like the one that you're doing now with the, the Mets thing, is yeah. it... Essentially, your take on what the Mets in '86 would have done, or um, is it? It's our collaboration, so okay. we kind of meet in the middle. Um, so for this project, what they wanted to do is take a nod to the 1986 Mets. Um, you know, they were known for winning the championship, but they were also known for being, you know, heavily, heavily, heavily on drugs. Uh-huh. So they wanted to kind of. Does- Daryl Strawberry with no septum. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So they wanted uh, to do a design with my cartoon style and me, you know, merging the 1986 Mets. Mm-hmm. So I did the t-shirt design. They have other companies like with Reebok, they're doing a the sneaker. Mitchell and Ness is going to do, I think it's either a jersey or a jacket and they have 47 brand doing hats. So we're all, you know, putting in our two cents for this capsule collection that they're doing. Okay. So you all team up together, you collaborate yep. on ideas and mm-hmm. things like that, and then it goes out. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> now to segue back and try to remember where we were with that. So mm-hmm. so you're getting the opportunity to work with all these companies mm-hmm. on this project, and but you're still holding down the you know full time accounting job with your dad's companies. Yes. Uh, um. See, I, I pay attention. I, I, I did the math there. Um, and thankfully, it's not tax season. Yes, um, exactly. So, so you've got a little leeway to get yourself in front of people and mm-hmm. things like that. But I'm mm-hmm. imagining since you said your dad's company has grown and mm-hmm. he'd already retired from the police force that uh, yep. he uh, is uh, putting a lot, lot more responsibility on you these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... You know, is, is he supportive of now? Now is he supportive of what you want to do? Um, I think he is now. I think in the beginning, <laughs> <laughs> I think in the beginning, he didn't really see what it could be. Sure. But I feel like after the years and after seeing the things I've done, he's starting to see what it could be. Mm-hmm. So um, honestly, at the end of the day, he just wants me to be happy. He's, he just wants me to. I guess play it safe, which what any parent wants you to do. He just well, wants me to make sure I have a good job, I have good insurance, and you know yeah. everything's taken care of. So I definitely understand that. Well, that's but what it, I was. That's what I was about to ask because you know you mentioned early on you're first generation American. Yep. Your folks are from Trinidad. Um, 
you know, so they've they've got that, you know, pick themselves up by their bootstraps, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. put in the effort, put in the long hours. Yeah, so, he, he, like pretty much what happened was when I first got out of school, he was just like, you should become a police officer. And right away, I just told him, like, you know what? I respect what you did. I just can't do it. Like, I've. Like I've physically watched what it like what it does to you like being on a job. It's a tough job. It's probably yeah. the hardest job you could ever have. Yeah. And I seriously, I respect police officers doing what they do, but I just know myself. I just know I couldn't do it, and I know what it entailed. So it's just like you know what, I'd rather go down the business route or getting a regular job or trying to build this you know blue dreams is when mm-hmm. you know at the time when we had the conversation. So what was his response to that? <laughs> All right, you're coming um, to work for me. <laughs> um, he, he wasn't happy at first, but after, he, after when he realized that like I was serious about it, he understood. And then that's when he opened up, you know, the tax business. And then, um, you know, I just jumped on. So, you know, no hurt feelings. Helps to have a son who was a business major at a good school. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, do you think that was more... Not that he didn't want to be supportive, but he was more worried that about the what ifs. What if you didn't make it? What if it wasn't successful? What were you going to do then? He wanted you to have something solid yeah, before I, you followed your dreams. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, whenever I did something, he would always uh, have a conversation with me like, you know, like, oh, what if this doesn't work out? You should think about this. What about the money you're spending? And I feel like now I get it because, you know, he just wants to play devil's advocate and really just bring to my attention that you need to have this fully planned out to make this happen. And, you know, it is a business. Not every business works out, mm-hmm. you know. So um, at first, you know, I was bothered by it. But now I understand, especially since I've been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, in the beginning, he wasn't a fan of it. But I think I've been, you know, keeping that uh, ball pushing. So he understands. <laughs> yeah, because you've been doing it for what? Six years now? Five years? I, think, I, I feel like it's been five years. Yeah. Okay. Not including the time in college? <laughs> yeah, not including the time in college. I don't count that. <laughs> eh, we'll round up and make it given an extra year there. Yeah. Um, it sounds better on the resume and when you're putting out things that you've been a brand for. Uh... That's true. That's true. <laughs> so so you mentioned the, the, the 86 Mets um, project. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 working with those brands mm-hmm. what what have been some of the challenges cuz those are fairly well-known brands and I'm not saying mm-hmm. the blue dreams isn't but mm-hmm. like especially like Mitchell and Ness um mm-hmm. cuz I'm not a sports guy but I knew mm-hmm. who Mitch, Mitchell and Ness was right away mm-hmm. um so what have been kind of the challenges and rewards of working in a collaboration with all those companies? Um, probably the toughest part is just meeting in the middle. Um, lucky for me, Renards is like the main person that's uh, making this uh, capsule collection happen. Mm-hmm. So all I had to do is just work with them for the t-shirt designs and they take care of everything else with the other brands. Okay. Um, but even working with them is tough because, you know, you'll have an idea, you'll give it to them. They'll say it's awesome, and then maybe next week they don't feel the idea. I didn't want to change because the trends are changing or something of that sort. So 
just meeting in the middle and doing a design that you think will be a home run is uh-huh. definitely tough. Pun intended? Yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> so, you know, when you're trying to grow other things, mm-hmm. um, and you're referencing back to having worked with, you know, Reebok, Mitchell and Ness, mm-hmm. um, 47 that I just blanked on that last half of 47 that. brand. Thank you. <laughs> I don't welcome. know why I blanked on that. <laughs> I'm literally looking at the page <laughs> of the company right here and the email you sent me and I still blanked on it. Um, you know, does that make it easier to open up doors for you? I'm hoping uh, th- that's honestly the reason why uh, I decided to jump on. It wasn't like a money thing. It wasn't like a publicity thing. It was just that, you know, when other companies see that you're working with bigger companies, um, you know, they want to jump on board. Um, when I was working at the streetwear brand before, I worked with Mitchell Ness before. I've done hat designs with them, mm-hmm. but it's not under Blue Dreams. So sure. to have that, to have the opportunity for Blue Dreams to be around these brands, I feel, I feel like it'll speak volumes. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm excited for it to come out next month. Gotcha. So. Mm-hmm. Did you have the chance with this to meet with anyone from Mitchell and Ness? I know you said that, um, oh, I've just blanked on who you've told me like five times and I'm still blanking. <laughs> um, that, you know, you, y- you work with somebody else as the kind of go between and, mm-hmm. um, but did you have a chance to meet with anybody f- directly from Mitchell and Ness during this? Nope. Um, lucky for me, Mitchell and Ness was able to handle, um, whatever project uh renards wanted to do with them mm-hmm. so from my understanding like i said they want to do hats so you know all the files are there you really can't switch things up when it comes to the mlb mm-hmm. you could only um because you have to clear through them of course sure so i didn't have to meet with anybody that was my like, next I, question <laughs> yeah exactly so everybody so the, the only people i dealt with was renards they just okay. wanted me to handle the t-shirt design for them okay so that's nice that's, yeah uh, yeah because i out of all of those, the MLB would be the one that I want to deal with the least. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's tough. Like, I've done a um, – it was like an all-star NBA snapback with Mitchell mm-hmm. and S. And they give you all the rules. You have to follow it. And that's it. There's no in-between. There's no, like, you know, this would look awesome for, like, you know, it's art. It's fashion. You just got to follow the rules and that's it. Oh, yeah. Because I've heard other designers um, – Sports designers like Joe Bosack and Todd mm-hmm. Radom and mm-hmm. uh, Fraser Davidson talk about working on projects with them and just the style guides that the yep. teams put out, the style guides that the league puts out, all mm-hmm. of that stuff and how stringent they are mm-hmm. and how you have to be able to merge everything yep. and each one has to still have its own identity and all that stuff. So I can I can imagine some of the challenges that come with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going forward, um, mm-hmm. after the stuff coming out this fall for the Mets, mm-hmm. um, so we'll what, what kind of backing up real quick. So are they trying to launch that before the end of the season? I would hope so. Um, they're opening From a, a business st- standpoint, that makes the most sense to me. I it, mean, it does. When, when, when we talked about it over the summer, that's what they were doing. Okay. Um, they were anticipating the Mets doing the same thing they did the year before. I was mm-hmm. too. So that's why I was really excited about it. And they said, you know, we're opening a new store. Um, we want to do this over the night uh, about the 1986 Mets. And we think it'll be, you know, we think it'll be a hit. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I think the store is still under construction, but uh-huh. it should still come out in October no matter what. Okay. So just in time for the wrap-up of you know, playoffs and kind of start of postseason play. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So segueing back into what I was going to ask you. <laughs> so moving forward, uh-huh. how – I guess what's in the works for you and how are you planning on expanding things? Um, or how do you want to expand things? <laughs> so what I want to do is just do more trade shows where I can set up, I can meet buyers from around the world and really show them what the brand, um, what the brand's about, what the brand looks like, the quality of the clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, I tell my customers, I tell people that, you know, check out the brand is I go out my way to try to get the best t-shirts, hats, the best blanks, the best products, because I feel like that speaks volumes to the person's going to buy. Um, last winter, almost a year ago, I opened up a pop-up shop in Long Island mm-hmm. um, and I based it around my winter collection. Mm-hmm. So my winter collection was called Blizzard Beach. So it was my spin on an aquatic ski resort. So what I did was <laughs> I designed a whole store like a ski resort. Inside, I had mountains. If you came to the store, I served you hot chocolate and gave you a ski ticket to come in. Um, and when I did that uh, pop-up shop for two months in Long Island, it was such an eye-opener on what the brand could be. Um, literally, the first opening day, I paid for the pop-up shop in the first day. So wow. after I, Yeah. So after I saw that, I was just like, I need to get a store. So the things I have a plan in the future is to definitely either do another pop-up shop or to look for a new location and to do a trade show. Because I think those are the the things that would definitely take the brand to the next level. Sure, because if you can get in retailers, and I know that locally um, Mm -hmm. you're in retailers, Mm -hmm. um, and I think you mentioned you're in some that are a little bit out of the New York region. but Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I have one... Yeah, one store in Vegas, one store in Florida. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The Vegas one I remembered, the Florida one I did not. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, working for getting in front of those um, those kind of retailers and things like that that are carrying other brands that are competing brands, what, what are mm-hmm. the challenges that come with that? How do you, how do you help promote things in-store um, when you can't be there hands-on? Um, what I try to do is I try to give the stores a little extra, I try to give them stickers. Um, I have like the blue dream story talks about how I started, just like how I told you from college to mm-hmm. being into stores. So I give that to the retailers and stuff like that. And I try to do collaborations with the retailers just so when we do the collaboration to bring the customer in and then I can have that emotional connection with them, you know, so sure. I can say, Hey, this is my brand. I'm in the store. Um, either I've been here for a year or we're trying it out, you know, tell me what you think, tell me what you like. Mm-hmm. And that has been, um, made a big difference in, you know, bringing people into the Blue Dreamers brand. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've noticed that you refer to it as a clothing brand. Mm-hmm. Do you have plans to move forward into a lifestyle brand? Yeah, I would like to. Um, I just know you have to be calculated when you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to do capital. <laughs> it, 
that's probably the biggest thing you need to have. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, I talked to people and stuff like that and they said, you know, keep it small until you're ready to like, you know, make it a bigger thing. And sure. so that's what I'm doing. So I'm trying to like, you know, really pack a punch with the t-shirts, hoodies and snapbacks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's just this, the streetwear essentials that people want to wear. And I mm-hmm. feel like once I see and I look at the numbers and I have the customer base to take it to the next level and do cut and sew, I'll do that. But right now I really want to perfect the, like I said, the simple essentials of streetwear. Okay. So that's what I was going to ask you next, as you mentioned mm-hmm. it with the cut and sew stuff is do you have plans to get into where you're manufacturing your own clothing as well? Um, like I said, if I find the right people in the right company <laughs> and the money, <laughs> exactly. The, <laughs> the capital, of course. Yeah. I would, I would definitely love to do it. But, um, right now I think we're in a good space. Um, you know, people see what we do. They like what we do. It's more about spreading the message and getting the brand out to more people. If I had to make, um, if I had to take the brand any direction, it probably be into girls because I feel like I have a lot of females that want to wear the brand. Okay. But you know, the easiest thing for them to pick up is headwear. So if I'm able to make hoodies and t-shirts and stuff like that, you know, it would probably increase the revenue in the brand. Okay. So you've you've obviously thought long and hard about all the different paths that you could take with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and getting the the Mets capsule out is at the forefront right now to get everything finalized. Yes. Um, what else is in kind of the immediate you know future for you? Um, right now I have a couple of shows I want to do. When I say shows, it's just like like the Renegade Craft Fairs of the world and the Sneaker mm-hmm. Cons of the world. Um, I like to do those um, just to be you know just to be in the market, meeting new people, selling the brand and stuff like that. Um, you know, I have my winter collection rolling out soon. I have a t-shirt that, well, when this comes up, it will be out, which is the diver statue t-shirt. And, Mm -hmm. um, I'm just trying to stay on top of people's minds. They constantly put out, you know, new designs and content. Another thing I'll be picking back up is my project called the blueprint. And Mm -hmm. that's, so what I do with that is it's just like my personal guide to starting a clothing brand. I have a lot of people that ask me, you know, how to do that, how I did that you know, how they should approach it. So I thought it would be a great idea to put it on the blog. Um, Whenever I have the free time, I'll put up a free chapter and Mm -hmm. you can subscribe to it. Um, In the future, I'll definitely be releasing more, you know, um, templates for line sheets and, you know, how to do a photo shoot and how to sign up to, uh, you know, do like a, um, like a renegade craft fair and stuff like that. Just trying to help people start a brand. Because when I started, you know, there's, there wasn't as much information as there is now. So I thought I'd give my own spin. On sure. Yeah. Cause now you've got, oh, I'm just trying to think of people like right off the top of my head that I know mm-hmm. that have gone into kind of starting their own brand thing. You, you know, you've got Joe Barron with branded Barron. You've got mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you've got Josh Ariza with chomp brand. Mm-hmm. Um, Clark Orr's starting his thing with Hellcats. So yeah. you've got all these people moving into that. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you looking for more opportunities to collaborate with other designers and people mm-hmm. like that to kind of start one-off lines? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't know about one-off lines, but I've definitely been reaching out to artists. For the winter collection, I definitely have an artist doing the whole thing, mm-hmm. just so I can focus on the sales. Um, and I think it's good just to show that um, a different look of Blue Dreams, you know? It's an aquatic brand. I feel like people have been seeing my take on it. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see other people bring um, designs and concepts that I had to life. So, you know, there's a couple of talented artists that I have, and they'll be dropping... Um, the winter stuff really, really soon. Before winter, hopefully. Yes. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> definitely before winter. <laughs> cool. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of getting close to our time here. So, um, you know, I, I, I asked you this at WMC fest, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm curious if you have another answer for uh, kind of the best advice you've ever gotten. Man, um, <laughs> let me think. Honestly, I was actually talking to, to Joe Barron about this. Um, I think the best advice I've gotten mm-hmm. is patience is the key. And um, I was telling him that I'm just not a patient person. You know, I feel like I've been chopping away for a while. I feel like this should blow up. I should be at a Johnny Cupcakes level. And, you know, <laughs> it can get frustrating when it doesn't happen. But, like, somebody sat me down and just said, you know, success doesn't happen overnight. You got to put in the work. Just keep your head down. Keep doing what you're doing, and you'll be fine. So just just remain patient. Keep putting out good work, and good things will happen, I think. Yeah. That'll be it. Well, I think I heard somebody say one time that overnight success takes 10 years to happen. <laughs> I mean, somebody told me the Angry Birds story. I couldn't believe it. Somebody oh, I don't know me, this one. Really? So... Apparently, the company that made Angry Birds, mm-hmm. that was their 40th game. Oh, their wow. Their 40th game. So just imagine that they told you, like, hey, you will have a game that will make billions of dollars, but you just have to do it 40 times. Like, I don't know if I'll be able to sign up for that, but it just, it just lets you know that it just doesn't happen overnight, you know? Well, now I want to go back and look and see how many of those games that uh, Rovio has put out that my kids have downloaded actually came <laughs> out before Angry Birds. I know. <laughs> I know. Like when I heard that, I just couldn't believe it. But No, I, hadn't, I, I had never heard that before. Yeah, 40 times. Wow. And then it makes you, makes you wonder who's providing this capital for the other 40 games, you know? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Yes. <laughs> oh. Um, and then worst advice. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? Um, honestly, the worst advice I probably have gotten is just that if you make it, they will come like, you know, just, just do it. It'll be fine. And after doing this for so many years, especially in the day and age we're in where everybody's, you know, doing something and there's so much disruption happening, you really, really need to put something out that will attract people. Uh, and when I say put something out, I mean like your heart and soul, like something that will like people feel like they need to drop everything and check out. And I didn't know that in the beginning. I thought that you just had to put your logo on it, make a t-shirt, they'll come out. But after realizing that you need to have a whole story to your brand that people want to connect with you on a physical and mental level, that just, you know, that was my turning point. So, so, so don't come up with a bullshit story. Be authentic. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good thing. And then, you know, since you're uh, you're doing the. 
the blog posts where you're talking about starting with uh you know how to start a clothing business and how to start these things mm-hmm. what's uh and and this will be kind of the final question real quick mm-hmm. um what's the best advice that you think you can give to someone who wants to get their foot in the door and get started take your time don't don't rush it i, I feel like i talk to so many kids that oh i had this design and i have one design now i have a brand come by it no no no, no. you have to you know, you would never do that with a clothing store. Yeah. And even... I even don't know. It have, worked for Gap really well with khakis. <laughs> Gap, Gap had money. Gap had yeah, commercials. True. But um, I feel like you need to treat your online store like a clothing store. You need to have a catalog to show people. You know, take your time. There's no rush. And um, once you put it out into the world, you can't take it back. So definitely mm. take your time. Figure out what you want to do. Figure out your message put that collection together and then show everybody something you're proud of rather than you rush it. Awesome. So real quickly, where can people find uh, you and blue dreams on the, uh, out in the world? So on the website and, um, the social, I don't know, I'm blanking out, but from Instagram, Twitter, you can find me at blue dreams. Blue dream is spelled B L U U dreams.com. Mm-hmm. Or on the social networks, it's just Blue Dreams. And again, B-L-U-U. Gotcha. And we'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes so people can find it. Awesome. I'm not sure that anyone ever checks the show notes, but um, it'll be up there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anderson, thank you so much for taking time to uh, talk to me. Thank you. This, um, was, uh, this is awesome. We, we end uh, every episode by saying... Go out and hug some necks, which just kind of means, you know, go out, make friends. Don't be a stranger to, you know, hug some necks, become friends with people. Would awesome. you uh, would you mind taking us out and saying uh, go out and hug some necks? Sure, I got you. All right. This is Anderson Blue and go out and make waves and go out and hug some necks. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right. I'm going to hit stop on recording now. You can find out more about Anderson on Twitter at Blue Dreams and at BlueDreams.com. And be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to keep up with them. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and our new Facebook page at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA or over at CreativeSouthGA.com. And I'm at Jay Frostelm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Don't forget to head over to CreativeSouthGA.com right now to pick up your tickets for Creative South in April of 2017. We're looking forward to seeing you there and hugging some necks. And remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south and if you like the creative south podcast head over to itunes stitcher or google play music rate us and leave a review this helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests now go out and hug some necks